You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio. So hey everyone, Harsha here and welcome back to another episode of Changing Reality. We're so excited to have you guys with us. And for all of you who may be new to the show, this might be your first time tuning in. Welcome one, welcome all. Changing Reality is a show here on WQHS Radio at the University of Pennsylvania that features phenomenal people from all walks of life who are in essence changing their own reality. So we'll be hanging out and interviewing social change makers, entrepreneurs, business owners, to top executives, industry leaders, and even artists, musicians, people from all walks of life and all around the world who are doing amazing, amazing things. And this show is something that's very, very personal in my heart because we get to hear these inspiring stories on how they're not only uh, doing things that change the world around them, but change the world for those who come after them, for those in their spaces as well. And I wanted to do this show simply because I feel like there are a lot of people out there who do phenomenal things and make waves in the lives of those around them. And I believe that by listening to these stories, people will be able to pick up the lessons from the past and apply it in their own futures. And I'm just super passionate about hearing how people can change their world in their own capacity. And to show you the power of stories in a sense and how much I believe in it. Personally, I actually founded a youth movement called Ascendance in Malaysia, which is where I'm from, that today is an international youth movement that works with global organizations, including our Ministry of Education in Malaysia, that helps provide an alternative education platform for any student who wants to change their reality. And we work from students from elementary all the way up to high school through various sessions, programs, experiential learning activities, and projects that help them discover their passion, learn about themselves and the world around them, and start their own careers while they're still in school that create meaningful impact not just for themselves, but for those around them too. And to date, we've been fortunate to work with over 35,000 students in 970 communities across 28 countries and have incubated countless number of student-run projects and social enterprises run by students aged 8 to 20 years old. So helping everyday students change their reality. And the foundation that enables us to do that are kind individuals who are willing to share what they went through, what they experienced, in hopes that others like them who are right now in school will be able to take those lessons and use that to change the world. So that's how important stories are. And if you guys have any questions about it, if there's anything in particular you want to know about that could change your reality, let us know in the chat below and we can take it up as another day's topic. But today we have another phenomenal speaker for you guys to hear from. Today's speaker is the Vice President of Product Development at Visa. He's someone who leads multiple teams across various geographic locations, developing the future platforms and solutions for web and mobile applications for payment management, business intelligence, data engineering and data analytics, and many other fields. Along with the other development teams at Visa, they innovate to build leading edge full-service payment management and fraud management solutions. So someone who is well-versed in this industry but has a unique journey of getting there. And when I heard his story, I was personally extremely inspired and I want to share that inspiration with all of you. So without further uh, ado, let's invite our speaker today, Mr. Sanjeev, to our virtual stage. Hello, good evening, Harsha. Hello, hi Sanjeev, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. There was a lot of energy in, in your intro. I hope to match that up. 
All right. Now I hope to match up my own energy. Okay, I'm a little bit scared. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us. It really, really means a lot that you're willing to come here, talk to our students, talk to the people that we work with. And personally, um, I hope you've been having a good day. I've heard that recently you guys have been returning to working at office. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been a it's it's been a little bit of a strange world that we have been living in for the past you know couple of years. Now it's, it's it's changing all around us. Like your show calls for changing reality, where our reality has kind of you know changed uh, over the last couple of years and is still evolving. So yeah, it's it's a different workplace, but I'm excited. I you know like I was chatting, I went back to our office for the first time almost year and a half. You know feels good. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to norm. I guess if I could use that. Okay, back to normal. I'm not sure where normal is at the moment, but I hope we get back there soon. <laughs> but sure, really, sure. thank you for joining in. Um, you have a very, very interesting journey. And you today are someone who is vice president in one of the uh, extremely large company, not just in the US, but all across the world. So like, it's an honor to actually even meet you and, and hear your story. But you didn't actually start off in this industry, right? I think if I'm not mistaken, you started off in engineering back when you were doing your bachelor's degree. So when you were a student like us, did you know that your career was going to turn out like this? Or were you as lost and clueless as us? Like, was there a grand plan or was there just a, as we go, we'll figure it out? Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie my way out of this, uh, Harsha. No, no. I, when I was a student, I, I never had any long-term plans. I think even sometimes, even now, when I think about it, I don't think I really place very long-term bets on, on how things are, are going to evolve because, you know, things things change. Uh, so, no, when I was in school, um, undergrad or even earlier, uh, honestly, I didn't really plan that well ahead as to what I'm going to do. Uh, even in school, I've, I've changed, you know, the, the subject uh, that I was kind of majoring in and I, I kind of switched because, not because I knew that's what my career is going to go. I was just playing by my interest. Like something I was doing didn't feel that right. Something else looked more interesting. And I just went with the flow on that. But again, these are just changes I did with what was appealing to me at that point, but not really with any grand plan ahead of me to, to, to back myself up. No, I, I wish I was that smart when I was young. I, I really was not. So the rest of us lost college students have a bit of hope left, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. So tell us a bit about your time when you were a student, in a sense. When you went into engineering, was this something that you were passionate about at that point of time? Or was there something else that you were working on? How did your journey start? Well, so so again, you know, I've, uh, I've been in this country when I came to do my grad. It's been, shoot, 25 years now, so it's a long time. But if I go even further back, uh, you know, growing up in India, um, you know, there was really not many, you know, options when we were students. You know, this is like 30 years plus back, um, not to give my age in here, but uh, I'm really going back like three decades back. So, you know, you just had to be good in school and then you had to, you know, kind of pick and choose, really wanted to do more tag to mathematics and science. Then, then you were more geared towards engineering. If you really wanted to be more on the biological science side, you could become a you know, take the line of a doctor, or if you were more into maths and economics, there was another line to, to go to. So there was really limited choices. And even the smaller the city, the choices dwindled down further and further. You really didn't have the exposure into 
you know, bunch of other tracks that maybe the other major cities have. So, no, me growing up, not that I plan to become an engineer, but to me, it was like, you know, which one do I pick, biological sciences or mathematics? I thought that I could get my way out of not working too hard if I pick mathematics and, and science, which came a little bit naturally to me. That led me to, to pick up engineering as my field. And when I started my undergrad, I started with electrical engineering as my undergrad. Again, not that I was really into uh, into hardware and designing chips or any of that sort. It just fell into my lap and, and I just took it and then finished my undergrad. Um, but as the journey started, as we decided to you know uh, come to US for further studies, uh, in the back of my mind, I always thought that I'm going to switch to something more uh, that I could visually experience. I think hardware, I was struggling to kind of Put the concepts and see the, the, the evolution of what work I'm doing, it felt much more natural to me when it was more on the software side. So I started my grad here in, again, electrical engineering, but then I switched to computer science. Um, again, because at that point, like I said, it felt like uh, my interest and my abilities would be well suited to that versus and nothing against electrical engineering. I have some great friends who are still doing that and they have done fantastically well in their careers. It's just for me, it just felt that I, I needed to have a little more visual interaction with with, uh, with what I'm working with. Very, very fascinating. And I think like it's also a very brave choice because many of us, I feel, we try something out and then we realize maybe this is not the exact direction we want to go to. I want to switch it a little bit or I want to try something new. And not everyone is confident to make that decision. I mean, looking at your success is probably the right decision. But for those of us right now in a position where we are doing something and we've been working on that for a couple of years, but then we feel like, oh, maybe I want to try something else in a sense. Or I want to switch my major over to another field. What was what would your advice be for someone who was in that emotional state probably a while ago? Well, there's two things, right? I think there's two things that always at least has forced me to change tracks. One, I either I was not good at what I was doing, so that's an easy decision. Hey, I'm not good at this, so I might as well, you know, do something else. That's that's like a change by force that that you you better do it, otherwise you're gonna be stuck with something you're just not good at, right? So so that's an easy one to make, and I want everyone to feel that way that if you're doing something that we feel we are not good at and doesn't mean that that we lack any skills it's just sometimes the skills that we have is not applicable to what the task at hand is right which is perfectly normal and natural i want everyone to feel that way um, that hey i'm just not good at it doesn't mean that i'm just not good it just means i'm not good at that i might just do something else so a lot of my changes was that i just felt whether call it my interest call it my you know state of mind I just felt I was just not good at what I was doing and, and I was just not very engaged or motivated enough to work harder to do well and something else always picked my interest more. Um, so I would say it's a combination. It is not, you know, me not being fully engaged uh, because at the end of the day, you know, all of you guys are, are smart enough. You can make things work. Uh, but if you're not fully engaged and, you know, 100% into it, then I feel it's a little bit of a waste of time. You might as well just pick something that, you might not be good at to, to begin with, but you really are more engaged and you can make it work. So to me, it, the choices were always that. Do I continue with what I have where I'm not wholeheartedly into it? Or let me just pick something that I feel I can be better at than what I'm doing right now. So, so even in my career, if I go back, I think some of the changes that I've done even after school, you know, a lot of the changes have been where I felt I was doing okay. But others who were doing similar to what I was doing, I felt they were doing much better than me. So whether it was, you know, coming off from 
getting the first job as a programmer, I honestly felt like I was decent enough, but I could see many folks around me that were doing much better, uh, you know, in that. Um, and if I felt like my interest was in something else and I was not putting all my effort into just being a good programmer, my mind was always running into other stuff. I thought that I might as well shape my career a little bit differently than just being, uh, you know, good at what I was doing at, at that point. No, I really, really like that advice. It's, it's not just about, can I get the job done? Is it, am I fully utilizing my skills? Am I fully engaged? Is this really like the best fit? Which I feel like sometimes, especially as new college students, that, that fear will, like kicks in in a sense that we forget to think about things like that. So thank you. I think it's a very, very good reminder. And for someone who, who did the, the grad degree, came out from at the University of Daytona, amazing university, and you went on into this field of, um, I think at that point of time, software engineering when you first started. How was it like going into the working world? Was it everything that was expected and was taught, or was it full of confusion as we've heard it would be? <laughs> oh, I, I was terrified. <laughs> Getting a job was the easier part. That was not a difficult thing to do. And again, back in the day, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, like 99, 2000, around that time. Getting a job was not the problem. Uh, but me personally coming out of school and that was my first literal job experience. I hadn't done any internships, so I, I had never really stepped into, I hate to use the word real world, but because, you know, school is as real, you know, as, as, as it is also, but into the corporate world, that was my first steps. And I, I was terrified, you know, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I was not confident enough in, in that I can do it. You know, it's not like a school project that I can take it and, and do it at my own pace with my friends on the side. This is something that, uh, you know, on a daily basis, we were held accountable to do certain things. Again, not that I could not do it, but yeah, I, I had some severe lack of confidence, if I might use the word, in, in, in truly being able to, to stand up to it. So yeah, it was, it was a, a shaky experience to start off with, for sure. And how was it, and, and how did, was there like a particular turning point when you realized or came out of it, or was it just a gradual process of getting more confident in yourself? Because I feel like one of the things I work with, a, like, like with a lot of students who are entering this working world or are entering real world projects where they are accountable for, and it's not that they lack talent in a sense, they're, they're very talented. It's just that, as you mentioned, the fear, the unconfidence, the being accountable for something for the first time, it gets to me, I think it gets to them. So how did you learn to manage that aspect of it? Yeah, so again, I don't know if it's just me, but I, I talk to a lot of interns right now who are coming out of schools that I see, you know, in the last few years. Um, they come across as very, very confident. So I, I don't think it's a, it's something that, that you guys really should worry about. I, I've talked to enough interns and new college grads in various locations, be it even India or be it in different U.S. locations here. I think one trait that I definitely see and I'm kind of envious about because when I compare that to myself, I'm like, damn. What was I, you know, when I was coming out and I'm comparing to an intern coming and doing a presentation on AI and using some model to do something in our teams. And I'm like, I mean, at, at your age, I was probably, you know, drawing something on the whiteboard. That's all I could do. For, forget about, you know, actually doing something that shows. So, so I think the confidence is definitely something that I see more present in, in today's, you know, folks. Again, I'm not going to use the word in today's generation. It makes me feel like uh, I'm, I'm like from three generations back. Uh, but for me, it was a gradual thing. It, it, it's not like suddenly on a you know, snap, um, I, I felt more comfortable. To me, it was you know, gradually trying to make my place uh, in the workspace, if, if, if I might say that. 
and being just okay to slowly realize that hey you know i'm not too bad you know i, I can do this thing you know i, I can uh, start to slowly express my opinion i can you know talk to people a little more freely so all of it was to me definitely a gradual journey as i got a little more comfortable with the people around me with the surroundings um, i think i got a little more uh, confident and and by the year uh, two or three i think i was pretty sure uh, you know about my standing what i could do i could i had my connections uh, you know which was in back in the day it was a little hard to make connections in today's world it's a little more easier um, so no it, it was not a snap i had to work work on it you know just just stay the course be confident that that hey it's, it's okay and of course i had a good support system of my friends you know who all were kind of going through similar phase we all came out of the school together we all had different jobs in different companies but we still still kind of live together so we could exchange our our journeys and and i could see that everybody more or less was going through the uh, kind of a similar journey so no I, it was definitely i was not smart enough to make it a snap one day and i'm super you know confident and i can get things under control it was definitely a gradual thing for me so there's no magic pill that i can take and i suddenly have the confidence to okay Yeah, I, I I wish I had it back in the day. I I did not. You you mentioned support system, which is something that I believe in a lot, and that I feel makes or breaks like anyone's journey in a sense. How important was support system for you, especially in those early years of going through this phase of becoming a from a terrified new grad to someone who's established and actually um, knows what they are doing now and and oversees so much work. How has your support system played a role in that? and how has it evolved over the years absolutely i i i think you know without a support system um i would nowhere be close to 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 what i'm able to do at this point in my life so whether at a very young age it was my my elder sibling and my parents you know having that that very good support system where uh you know honestly that was not that much pressure uh put on uh to go uh you kind of you know knock the Uh, hell out of your grades in in, in schools. I, I didn't go through that kind of a pressure. Uh, I think my older sibling, you know, was always a topper uh, in his class, and 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 all credit to him. So he kind of took all that heat, uh, you know, with him. And I was left alone, saying that, hey, as long as you pass and go to the next grade, we are good with. You know, let's focus on the elder one. Now, in all seriousness, I think my parents definitely, you know, kind of let us find our journey, um, and they all just made sure that, hey, you're. progressing as long as you you know kind of be in the right path then we're just going to leave you alone um and of course friends you know uh, first is family and then it's friends you know I, i was lucky enough to have a very core group of friends who we kind of grew up together and it's funny that a lot of my or most of my closest friends even today are the folks who were with you know each other on all through this journey whether it's undergrad in india coming here and doing grad school in different schools in us because obviously not all of us ended up in the same school we were all over the you know us map when it came to to schools but we kind of made a conscious choice to kind of move in together uh when we started our first journey into into the corporate world so uh you know now when 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 we meet and we look back on the struggles uh it's just very funny for us we we didn't treat that as a struggle right for us it was like hey, we were all friends you know going through it was it was fun for us um so it, it's pretty funny how we look back on things but that support system is what i definitely feel you know help each other along we were always kind of pulling rooting for each other and helping each other out so to to all you folks i think i I'm, i know many of you have wonderful circles uh but it's very important to have have that constant 
uh, in our lives, which is which is that support system, whether that's friends, whether that's family, whether that's a combination. Uh, I think that always you know works out uh, very very well. Okay, very very nice. I'm from where most successful people they go successful not just as individuals but they go as a group. So when one person reaches success, it brings the whole group up, and it's kind of like this group mind that that from sharing resources, sharing stories, sharing ideas elevates everyone. So I think you and your friends probably embody that success in a way, and that that is very nice to hear for everyone right now. Who are in their own circles, and even as an individual in your career, you started off as a software developer, if I'm not mistaken, at, um, at a startup-like place called CyberSource, and mm -hmm. you progressed there from software developer to, if I'm not mistaken, overseeing their team to engineering manager, and that is quite interesting because many people they are good at one thing and they they focus on like particularly that field and when they become a manager or when they become someone in leadership position it, it's not the same or they have trouble managing because they were just focused on the thing. but you have a little bit of a different like view of this you actually someone who as you mentioned i think a little bit uh, of a giveaway in the beginning you focus on the things that you were good at in a sense so that you were engaged in so for you how is it like going from someone who's doing the work very hands-on to overseeing people who were um, who were probably doing the work um, like at the position you used to be, and you having to be the person who manages the things instead. Yeah, no, I think it's it's interesting. Again, it goes back to like when I started my career, and for the first few years, I was uh, you know kind of mainly being in the team part of a programmer or being a team lead developer. But like I said, when I looked around, I always thought that you know there were a lot of people who were you know much more into it and much more. Uh, you know, from their own skill set, personality, they were more into, you know, programming stuff. And I was always kind of getting distracted, you know, from actually doing the programming versus thinking, you know, a little bit from a wider lens as to why are we doing this, right? Why is this important? How can we do this better? You know, who do I need to talk to you know, to get things done? So so most more of my time, I was gradually, you know, going towards that rather than sit and, and, and finish tasks on, uh, at hand. So I think it's a combination of those two. I enjoyed those experiences. I enjoyed those conversations, trying to you know set up a body of work. Then then a team can who are really technically, like I said, were were much greater than me could could do the right you know execution. Uh, so again, you know, it's it's up to the individual which kind of career path that you know they take. There is growth on both sides. But I felt like for me, I had to step away, uh, you know, from the actual execution part to. Uh, to more of a defining that body of work and kind of defining the importance of that work, working closely with our, you know, business counterparts. And 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 I felt I could do more there. And, and it's hard. It's not easy. And like you said, one thing that I always keep mentoring, you know, my team members, that first move where you're giving up, you know, things that you know you could do yourself and now rely on somebody else to to actually do it. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's a little difficult to do and you have to have that faith and that patience with your team to you know kind of do it as you want you know this to be executed so definitely it's a little bit of a letting go of 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 few stuff and focusing on on other stuff but like i said i i knew i was much better off helping the organization if i did more of that and 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 help my team to kind of do the actual execution part so yeah i, I think i made the right call and i'm still kind of progressing in that part but there are fantastic people who have grown in their individual contributor kind of levels but i think it just felt right i think that was my interest i knew i was good at it and i was always getting better at it so so yeah i think that was a good decision that i took for myself 
was there any projects or, or, or stories that you can tell us of times that you worked with the team and you you started to doubt like oh my goodness like like did i make the right decision or any initial like projects when you were working on something with others which you reflected on that am i really like 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 equipped for this leadership position in that very beginning stages but i wouldn't say beginning i would say it happens even now <laughs> it's not about beginning stages see the uh, the thing is i think we have to be a little comfortable in making a few decisions with not all data points right i think more and more as as the scale becomes larger um it's very hard to make decisions if you have to be perfect right you, you make a decision you kind of go with with whatever data point is available you feel what is right and 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 you make a decision and in the back of your mind you just have to accept that some of these won't work and and it, and it is okay if it doesn't work right i think if there is a fear of of like i need my all my data points and i have to make the perfect decision I, that's just never there's never a perfect time to make a perfect decision that's just not how it works right now your decisions looking back can can look perfect and you can take the credit for it by all means uh but if anyone says that hey i have every data point i can guarantee that this is the perfect decision i i think they are just uh uh not being very honest uh, so i'm happy to be wrong i think that's one thing that um you know i have done for myself and my teams that hey will you know with enough of conviction and data and hand we're going to make a decision we'll go a certain route and sometimes things won't work and and we'll have to face the consequences of it you know you know uh, take it on the chin and 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 move on it's it's, it's okay uh, i think we look that as as a learning for next time to see what we could have done better or did i miss a really a red flag that was obviously apparent but i i couldn't see it but as long as that's not the case we did the best with the decision i mean with the data at hand then uh, i think we should be okay but yeah if you want me to start counting uh, instances or decisions that didn't go well i think i have a i have a lot uh, you know and and that's okay we should be okay with it that's interesting do you mind sharing one or two stories with us about the times where you've been in this situation because i feel like sometimes as a college student we're very fortunate that all the information that we're going to be playing around with is information so it's not so not necessarily is it something in a real world working situation and i and i see that when when i'm in an actual situation where i'm accountable for a project where i'm leading something at work it's like it, as you said not all the information is present even if it is you're not sure where they get it you're not sure of the authenticity and you're not sure whether this is relevant to the decision you're making so there's a lot, like a lot more gray area and uncertainty in in the real world as you mentioned yeah. earlier so tell us maybe about like one or two stories of decisions that you had to make in that position so that we cannot feel the emotion with you for a minute <laughs> yeah no absolutely i'll i'll, I'll give, you a, give you an example uh, you know what we do in the corporate world in many times is is you know something that has to be useful uh, to to our clients right at the end of the day you know we are not in here to do a pet project to feel good about ourselves as much as we would like to do that and i know we can get away with some of that when we are in school but unfortunately you know some of that ends once once we are in the in a real world um and i think sometimes it's it's hard to let go the the, the engineer in us uh, kind of takes over uh, what the business realities are right i mean what do the clients really need is this really a customer problem that we are trying to solve or am i trying to do something uh, to show off the technical abilities of the team right so so we had the situation where we felt we from an architecture and from a design and from using the latest of of the you know the technology stack that we had at our dis disposal and we created this fantastic solution for our customer 
Uh, but when we turn around and, and try to get the customer use it, they were like, you know, how is this really useful, you know, to me? So we we were very proud of all the bells and whistles that we created. That that we thought that the customer would be really happy that we spent so much time, energy, money in in creating this solution for them. And it didn't matter uh, to them because for them it was very important on how easy and simple in a simple manner they could get the job done. And if, if you looked around and, and look back at what we created, uh, yeah, I could put that in my technical resume, but uh, I cannot put that in a business sense in the business resume because it didn't solve really the client's problem. And in fact, it created more problems, you know, for the client because they had to now not not only learn a new system, but they then had to use the system to support their customers on the other end. So, and this was one of the very large global brands and. And I remember, you know, uh, traveling up to their locations, talking to them. And yet, you know, it's one more instance. We had to just take it up the chin. On one side, I'm really proud of the work that, that my teams did. On the other side, I'm sitting there across the table, you know, from someone saying that, that this is not good. It's terrible. It doesn't solve their problem at all. So, uh, and, and I think that's a little bit difference in when we come into the corporate world is we really have to, you know, know that the pulse of our of our customers, of our client, uh, what do they really need, right? I mean, what are they really looking for? And I'm sure when you try to set up your show and your sessions, you're also looking for, you know, the, the exact value, right? I mean, am I doing something that generates the most value for, for folks who are going to be consuming this, this product? I think that's a little bit shift, I feel, from the school life uh, coming out into the corporate world. In school life, I think you can still show off all of your technical abilities, uh, you know, even if it doesn't end up solving a real world problem, you still have a pretty good uh, thing to be proud of that, 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 that we have done as students and I have done. Like if I look back at my undergrad projects or masters uh, when I was doing that, my looking at back at my projects, I was pretty proud back then. But now I look back, I'm saying, what the hell was I thinking? You know, how am I going to apply that <laughs> in the real world? What problem is it going to solve? So. So I think that's a shift that folks, you know, just have to make. And yeah, I have uh, many such stories where um, it just things didn't work out in the real, you know, with the client as we, it worked in our in our offices and in, in our workshops. It looked fantastic. Uh, it, it didn't pan out well with the customer. I think you actually wrote an article about this recently. Um, yeah, wait, it's coming to me. I think the exact title was like Com The Complex Art of Keeping It Simple or something like that. I was reading yeah. it and I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is so relevant. Because one of the things that I, I struggle with is I am, if I say this, I might embarrass myself, but I also dabble a little bit in this website and IT field. I run a different startup other than a sentence and changing reality that does websites for clients and all of that. And one of the things that I personally struggle with is sometimes it's like, as you mentioned, the thing that we are excited about is not the best solution for the client in a sense. And, and one of the things that we've tried to instill in all of the things that we provide our clients is making sure that we actually think about what is the simplest way for them to achieve their goal. So sometimes it might like, like even though I provide website service, it might not even be a website for them. They may just want to do something much simpler than that. And as the service provider, it's a bit of a of a difference in a way of looking at things, as you mentioned, from going to what can I do into what what do they need in a sense, and keeping yeah. it simple is something that that is definitely right. a major part of it. 
So for you, in a sense, when when you when when your team is in that flow, especially when we work with creative people, I feel, um, which which happens a lot in in the whole IT industry as well. When when you work with creative people and you see them getting into this flow of coming up with complex things and coming up with all these innovative solutions, but you start seeing that it's getting a little bit out of alignment with what the client wants. What what do you do? You know, like how do you steer them back to the right direction? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard, right? I think, and good that you reminded me. I forgot about that article. I, it's funny, I wanted to name it, keep it simple, stupid. But then I thought, you know, people might be offended if I, it's not like, you know, I wanted to call myself stupid, but I didn't know if people would, you know, take it that way. So I had to change the uh, the title of, of that article. Uh, so no, I think that, that happens, uh, Harsha. I think that's a valid point. People are, you know, generally very passionate about things that, that we do and assuming everybody's into it. They're very, very passionate. So to come and say that, hey, this this will not work. You know, it, it's not always a very, you know, easy message. You know, uh, whether somebody is giving me that message or now I'm trying to give that message to somebody else. You know, we always have a bias towards the work that we do, right? And sometimes we are so much into it um, that we have kind of blinders on how this work will be, you know, kind of consumed and and represented, you know, to the outside world. Even small conversations have that kind of an impact, right? I mean, if you're saying something, you might think that hey, this was my way of saying it, but the interpretation is out left to everyone, you know, consuming that message. Who knows, right? How people are gonna, you know, interpret that message. So it, it, it's not a very easy thing to do, to be quite honest, because we have, you know, very highly skilled technical folks who have spent, let's say, months in trying to build something. They have kind of you know, uh, dotted their eyes, crossed their T's, and they're very confident. And to walk in and say, you know what, this is not going to work, guys. We'll have to, you know, kind of do it differently. Or yes, we have spent six months into it, but and just like recently, it has happened where we said, okay, we spent. I know we spent six months. Let's take our losses. You know, done. This is not going to work. Let's go back to the drawing board. Let's see how best we can solve the needs of the client that we are hearing because this definitely is not working out. So uh, these are not very popular decisions that that we have to take but at the end those are the right decisions because no matter how good we think something is because we are self-biased into it if it doesn't work or if you kind of get the feelers that it's not going to work with some early feedback then you might as well swallow the pride and, and do it differently versus you know still going at it saying no 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 this person doesn't like it let me try somebody else oh you don't like it too fine let me try somebody else there, there is somebody who's gonna like what we are doing it usually doesn't work like that i think uh, it's very easy to get some early feedback and it's really important to get some early feedback uh, from folks who are not uh, deep into the woods with, with, with what work we are doing and, and you're going to get a very non-biased uh, you know, opinion on, on, on the actual body of work. And, and this happens everywhere. I, you know, I was involved in, uh, in another startup uh, like doing on the side with our friends and, and we were spending our nights and we thought we were really going to change the way e-commerce is going to be done and we were so much into it spending our nights and our wives and kids they were not happy and then thankfully you know to my family you know who has been a great support uh, but they were not happy that we were spending all these nights but we truly believe that that this is it guys we have solved you know how this thing needs to be done and we go meet a few uh you know partner firms and stuff uh, and we put it out there and they start poking holes into what we were trying to do and we come out after a couple of meetings saying, damn, why didn't we not think about that? Man, why did we not think about that? And suddenly it's not like, again, I'm not saying you give up on what you're trying to do. That's not the point. But it's always good to get feedback and, and be ready to pivot or change and modify what you're trying to do and not be very hard on, hey, this is it. And this is, I believe in it. 
I don't care what others are saying. So I think we should just be a little more flexible and, 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 and adaptable to the feedback that we get. Very good advice. And since you mentioned feedback, I have to ask. One of the things that I struggle with, or I used to struggle a lot more than now, is accepting feedback in a constructive manner. Like, like people, like, like feedback is present to me. It's just that sometimes I get very personally attached to the, the product or the service that's being provided, that the feedback feels like a personal attack, which I know now in hindsight is not true in a sense. But in that moment, when you when you're getting this feedback, and especially you on one side, you there's something that you've worked really hard on, or it could be like you have to feedback this again to your team in a sense. How do you actually process that in a constructive way or like like what is in your going through your mind when you're receiving this feedback okay i mean if, if you are not taking it nicely first time around that means you're human so it's it's okay <laughs> uh, uh, and like i said the, the, the more uh the invested you're on something it's it's more harder to actually get a feedback that doesn't align with our own thinking right um, um it's, it's not it's not easy Harsha, to be to be quite honest i think typically what you know, I have done is not react to a feedback, you know, right away. I think it's always good to take feedback um, and it's always good to get feedback. And hopefully we have the right support system or the folks that, that you know, uh, we know are, are going to give us that unbiased, you know, feedback. Um, but you don't have to react to every feedback that is coming your way right then and there, right? So you can always keep taking feedback and then try to, you know, spend some time analyzing that, that, that feedback to see, you know, is this something that we truly missed? Because it's not about whether we were smart or not smart about something, but it's always easy to miss a certain things as we are shaping up a product or, or shaping up a, you know, a project or whatever you want to call it or, or how we go about doing things. It's always easy to, to miss a few things. So as long as the feedback helps us connect a few dots that we might not have connected or connected it, you know, with, with whatever data we had at that point and we feel that, oh, I, I could go this route and connect it this way. Um, so I think we should be open to the feedback. I'm not saying we, we constantly change ourselves on every, every feedback that we get. Absolutely not the point. I think we are who we are uh, with our habits and what we have done in the past. We're not going to change just because we get a feedback. Um, but we should make sure we have the right folks giving us that feedback, who have the right intentions, who have the, the unbiased views on what we are doing. And, and then analyze it and see what applies and, and, and what doesn't apply, it's, it's okay. Uh, it's okay to ignore some feedback. We, we don't have to constantly take feedback and, and changing ourselves. We just have to see if you're picking the right ones and, and, and making some changes on our sides. Okay. Very, very good advice. Thank you for answering my personal insecurities and questions. To our audience, if you guys have questions, you can ask them in the chat. If not, I'm just going to ask all my problems out. So like, I'm just giving up, extending the opportunity to you guys, but it's fine. It's fine either way. But uh, okay, very, very good answers. And um, you also, as I mentioned earlier, you manage today a global team of different countries, different regions and all of that. This is something that is not at all easy and something that is very, very admirable. How do you build the skills of a leader in a sense? Because being a leader has all of these things that we mentioned and more. You have to create that support system for your team. You have to be able to give them feedback. You have to set the direction right. So, And it's something that you do probably effortlessly now. But for those of us who are in that very early stages of leading, 
like what can what's your advice for us in a sense like i'm in a position where i would my team right now is growing from when we started last year we were at like seven eight people now we're 50 60 people so it's like like suddenly i have to think about things that i never had to think about before and we haven't been probably in that position when you grew in your leadership track what are the key things that we have to keep an eye out when we work with people in a sense I wish I could say a lot of happy hours, but that's not uh, <laughs> the only thing. I know. I think again, you know, uh, in 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 my humble opinion, there are folks who who manage much larger global teams, and all credit to them. I think to me, it's it's just the having that little bit of a personal connect with people, right? And not just be about the the task at hand or the work at hand. I always give this advice to others also that if every time Harsha, I'm talking to you is about something I need from you or, or something that I want you to do, that's not the right you know, kind of leader relationship. Right? I, I would love to come and just say, hey, Asha, how are you doing? How was the coffee? Uh, you know, wh what did you get for lunch? You know, how's your day looking like? Uh, I think to me, these little interactions or you know, these personable interactions are very, very important to me and very close to my heart. So as, I mean, it gets a little harder, of course, at the scale when, when, when the teams grow, but I've been very true to whenever it's a different you know city to go there spend that time or pick up the phone and talk to the person of course there will be instances where i'll be like damn it where, you know is this done or is this not done of course those conversations will happen i'm not saying that won't happen that's part of the job but i think having that personal relationship with folks is very very important you know once you you know kind of build that relationship that trust then more often than not you know whether that's me for 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 uh, for the you know for for my bosses or, or people in my teams, I think once there is a personal relationship in there, they're gonna go back uh, you know for you. You don't have to force the issue uh, you know on that. So for me, you know, like I said, I, I it's not like I love to travel. I don't mind traveling, but for me, one of the you know key things is to have that personal interaction with the teams, with the leaders, to see you know what is important to them and how can you know someone like me in my position help you know, what they want to do with their careers, with their teams, and, and really focus on that part. And then, yes, when, when the need is there, we always talk about the task at hand. Uh, but like I said, that, that's very important to me. You know, I, I would love to have that personal interaction. Uh, that's what I expect from, from the person that I report into. And that's what, you know, I would make myself available, uh, you know, for the folks. Just just be there. Don't just make it all about work. It's, it's what has worked for me. I, I'm not saying that that's the only way. Uh, but that is something that, that I really try to follow as much as I can. No, very, very good advice and definitely something that I think many people need to listen to. And in the last two, one and a half years, we've been, as we talked about a little bit earlier, we've been in a very strange, almost out of normal space where personal interaction is something that I think has been the only thing keeping people together in a sense. Because in a time where it's so easy to get lost or like like in this pandemic among the negativity among the work among everything else i think personal interaction is the only thing that keeps things like like solid like keeps people sane at times how do you how did you manage like leading the team working on your own things and managing all of these different things during the pandemic and then how is that changing for you now as the pandemic the pandemic slowly peters out in a way yeah, it, it's hard. I think that's, you know, to me, you know, and not just for me, I think for a lot of folks um, uh, who like to, you know, kind of be there talking to people, seeing people, 
Uh, I think this has been a really, really, you know, tough time. Uh, it was fun for the first few weeks, uh, you know, um, and, and not just for me, but for, for for my family. I have two young kids, you know, they were very, very happy that they, you know, like, hey, I get to see my dad all the time. You know, he's, he's right here. The schools were closed, um, you know, and, and I was at home. And I think, you know, uh, it was the first time they, they were seeing me for such a long time, just being at home, which, which you know, in the last 10 years has not happened. Um, so it was fun for the first, you know, month or two, but then it gets, you know, a little tiring. Again, this is my opinion. I know some folks would say, I love working at home. I wish I would do this forever in my life, you know, all, you know, uh, whatever works. Uh, so I'm not going to try to preach that this is the way. But for me, like I said, the way I have spent my career, it was very important for me to to be there, with, be with people, you know, you know, talk to them, uh, you know, have those conversations. Because what has happened is with working from home is you you know, call it the, the the water cooler talk or call it the hallway conversation, you name it, whatever you want. Those have kind of uh, gone away. And what you're left with is the conversations around work. I mean, I open up my calendar uh, from early morning to late night. It's one discussion up after another about work, right? I mean, that's all that, that shows up and meetings have uh, increased and, and calendars have been full. So I definitely miss that, not just as a break. I mean, definitely it's a mental break. But I felt there's a lot of positive that comes with those conversations with our little more ad hoc in nature. So I would say if anything that lost is, is that that unknown ad hoc conversations that, that you just end up having because you're walking around, let's say in your campus, you're walking around, you're gonna bump to bump into five folks. Now you might not like like all five and you might not talk to all five, but let's say even if there's a couple that you want to have a conversation on, you never know. I mean, something good might come out of that conversations. I think those are the things that I felt I, I really missed. And I, I you know, uh, so, uh, you know, that's why I was looking forward to getting back to, uh, to, to like I use the word norm. I, like you said, I agree with you. I don't know what norm is anymore. Uh, but I would love to get back to that state because I, I felt, you know, I badly missed those kind of uh, ad hoc interactions. Yeah, yeah. And how and how can we for many of us like like one of the things that is a good thing that happened like during the pandemic is we started working with a lot of people in different parts of the world more efficiently, as you mentioned. So meetings the last time would take three hours because you have to drive there, you have to meet them for an hour and a half and then you drive back. Now it takes half an hour on Zoom. So you miss that that lag time or that that interaction time, the break, as you mentioned, everything that that gives to the whole experience of a meeting in a sense. So yes, it's more efficient, but you lose out as that other mentioned. Yeah, so I think that's that's what I keep saying. I think a lot of folks say that hey, that why do we have to go back? We are we are being equally efficient. And to me, I think we, you know, again, my opinion, I, I just want to qualify that. It's, it's, it depends <laughs> on what you mean by I'm being efficient, right? Is being efficient meaning that hey, I'm done with all the work that I was planning to do is that really what we want to get out in a single day that hey i had five things to do i've done my five things a very efficient day sure if that's the definition of an efficient day great uh, but i think we should you know uh, look more to that you know from a day right i mean rather than just doing what you are supposed to do i think it's always finding some unknown in that day you know having a conversation or learning something that was not part of your schedule uh, is equally important i think in this zoom world or teams or microsoft whatever we use i think our days have become very very static and structured right and i i sometimes believe that that can hinder some growth i think we need to live in a little bit of an unstructured time in our day that that we leave it open to to, to something new that might come across 
very very yeah. no i completely agree and how and how would we go about i don't know substituting this this free time that we used to have into our now slightly more packed days and all of that is there any i don't know strategies for emotional management of your meetings and your or like replacement of the coffee shop talk that we can add into our now strange zoom world that is also hybrid with some leaving of the house yeah i think yeah it's always to i guess uh, start some new hobbies i would say to to keep our, our mind little bit occupied and i know that has that was the the thing right that hey everyone wanted to do something different whether that was gardening i mean suddenly you went and see that there's nothing available to do gardening on it's, it's all sold out uh, or or um, but no i think we we'll, you know there is always you know some time to to learn and read you know uh, and it also depends on whether somebody you know wants to read a lot right i think to me uh i used to but I, i i would struggle to to find time unless i was in a plane sitting for 12 hours and all i could do was you know read some book but outside of that i would struggle for time but i think we should set up you know some sessions you know little selfishly for our own self right now you call it an happy hour meeting with the team call it a coffee hour or or you know find someone that you would normally not interact with and see if you could spend some time in the day reaching out and interacting with folks you normally would not right so i think it's important to just go a little out of script uh, it might not be possible every day i i get that but i think we should make a conscious effort to do things that are out of script uh, otherwise it is just going to be a little tiring mentally if if we just go by script day in day out and the script doesn't change i think it it, it gets a little tiring Okay, I'm definitely going to make a mental note of that, and I'm definitely going to plan something in my calendar and also for my team. So if my team is watching this, beware of like what's going to come next. So what unscripted things are going to happen shortly? But no, I think it's very very good advice, and I think as we move into this post-pandemic world, hopefully we'll move in that soon. But there is a lot that we can take from the last two years that that. should be applied i feel moving forward the time with family the time um the efficiency but there's also a lot that that we need to revisit i'd say and that includes the unscripted part of it so very very good advice yeah and and, and, and like i said our workplace culture probably is going to change uh, after this last two years right i think before uh, there was a lot of like hey either you could be a remote working from you know home kind of person or you had to come to work or or Uh, sometimes it was not very very flexible not or not all organizations were very very open to kind of have an hybrid kind of a model so i think that's going to change now um, you know I, i think people organizations would be little more open to say that hey it's fine you know i have a team here in the bay area and if there is few more folks sitting out there in in atlanta it's it's okay because we have seen that this model uh, you know works as long as we have some level of coming together i think we'll see more and more of little bit of a hybrid model becoming more naturally you know fit in organizations where it was not before so so you know again there is positives to everything um and, and i think some of this will just make uh, organizations little more flexible to how the like i said the new generations would come and prefer to to work because they're not going to be what we were 20 years back i think uh, they'll all come in with fresh ideas and different ways of doing it and whether the adaptability is just from allowing people to work from home or just being open to any other change that the new you know breed of engineers or or business person would bring i think organizations definitely would be little more open to 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 change their ways to accommodate 
uh, how people are feeling and going through. Yep, and if it's and it's not just the pandemic. I feel like anything the last few years taught us is the world is changing in some direction yeah. or another, and uh, there's a lot of interesting things that will crop up. There's a lot of new things. There's a lot of um, uncertainty, which is both good and bad, that will be cropping up. And for all of us right now who are in that position where we are entering this so-called working world, the real world right now, in this time of uncertainty, we are already terrified, like like as you mentioned, that being like new to the working world, being new to the corporate world and things like that. And now there's this added layer of uncertainty of change that's happening, which again has its benefits, but also leaves us a little bit with uh, some confusion at the very least. What's your advice to us? We're just starting out in this journey right now. It's not easy. I think it's it's a valid uh, you know concern that you raise. And I, I see that in my own teams, especially people who have graduated recently, whether it was you know in the past semester or maybe they're gonna graduate you know over this winter and 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 come in and join the organization. I think that that initial days of support that you feel you're part of something much bigger um, and, and you're, you have your you know, leaders along with you to welcome you, to kind of hold your hand. Um, when we miss some of those initial interactions, it, it just, I'm not saying, you know, the folks who are not going to come out of it, but I think they would much easy, I mean, come out much easier if there are folks uh, that are surrounding them. Um, so it's, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, I think my only advice would be that uh, you know, be a little patient and, and, and find the right folks in the organization that uh, you're comfortable with. I think it's very important to see. It doesn't have to be, you know, hopefully it's the person that, that you'll end up reporting into or, or leading the team, but it might be somebody else uh, within the organization that you have chatted and you feel a, a, a connection with. And it's very important to uh, just ask for time from those people, um, you know, which, like I said, looking back, and I was telling you this earlier, which I didn't do a very good job of where I felt like I could ask for help, but I was a little, uh, call it shy, call it not being very confident. Uh, I could not do it, but I think it, it, it is something, just ask for help. Uh, you know, don't get stuck. Don't try to solve it by yourself that, hey, I'm just going to do it. You know, what will they think if I can't solve this by myself? So I'm going to, you know, spend my night and day trying to get it. That's not how it how it works. I think folks on the other side are very, very welcoming to give you feedback. And, and I've seen, you know, folks in my team who love working with interns and new college grads, because I think us, we also feel a kick in trying to working uh, with, with someone who's coming up with fresh ideas out of school. Uh, so everybody will be willing to, to help and be patient. So yeah, don't be shy, don't ask for help, but these are little uncertain times. So uh, uh, there is a feeling of, of, of being a little lost out there. But again, I think having that structure, your friends around, uh, you know, having that constant conversation on how others are doing, it's very, very important um, to, to keep everyone kind of mentally in there uh, when it comes to work. No, no, very amazing. And I, and I definitely think that's extremely good advice. Just, just yesterday, I'd like to show you how relevant your advice is. Just yesterday, I was having a conversation with someone from Ascendance who works with our students, and they were saying that many of the students worry about being perfect in a sense, or, or, or like if I make a mistake, like I will try to fix it myself so that people don't like, like so that nobody like like knows about it, so that I, everything is good. And and they said something which which I think I'll, I will not forget for at least a while, where they said that you owe it to the resources that have been invested to you not to be silent, but to ask to find ways you can grow and be better because you may not have the experience to solve it yourself. 
but you you have the resources and it's kind of like those resources have been made available for you to ask those questions so i definitely think that hearing that as well from someone like it definitely echoes the thought and i really hope that people watching this take that off because i feel like just the ability to go out there reach out there get that feedback and the confidence to do that makes the world of difference so final question i'm so sad that our interview is coming to a close so ask you a final question we do have some business owners and all who tune in from to this session who tune in and listen or some people who are top executives who watch the show previously to all of those people right now who are on the other side of the coin they they are probably um very well established they know their stuff what's your advice to them in this in this extremely challenging times i mean you are someone who works with clients like directly works with the team directly works with even college students and interns i don't know how you find the time but like what's your advice to them in navigating this world of entry now which comes out from a much more like i would say which comes out from a time which was very uncertain now we have a little bit more certainty at the very least but again as you said like things are changing now so what can they do yeah I, i think like i said the the what you said at the end is very important the, the world is changing right and and i would say whether pandemic or not the world is changing right so um i think from folks who are focused on the business side of it or or technology or students i think we have to be ready to uh kind of also try to be that change uh, right we can't be too fixated on on our you know our uh way about doing things or how we try to interpret things i think um i think everybody should have their own you know uh opinion i'm not saying they should not but just be a little more aware of the surroundings right i think it's very important couple of things one is be self aware i think it's very important you know that i tell my team also be self aware some things you can do something you cannot where do you need help where you don't just be very honest and be self aware on that front and the other thing is be aware of the surroundings i mean things are changing what can make sense or make value today uh might not be something that works tomorrow so you know try to be a little more open minded and 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 yeah be comfortable with change i think some people don't like change uh, uh but i think we should just embrace it uh, uh you know don't expect what's working today is going to expect tomorrow uh, even from a business standpoint what the clients or customers needs are today it might not be tomorrow and their worlds are also changing right as the world changes the businesses change the customers how they kind of try to make their livings that also changes and and for us who are you know kind of either building a solution for them or working directly with them uh, we should just be a uh, little more uh, flexible and 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 show a little more compassion of 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 what people are expecting from from us to deliver okay very very good advice i think you've covered all bases and Thank you so much for this session. I think it has been something that has been personally enlightening for me and for many of our audience members today. So, thank you for your words of wisdom and for joining us today and I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did on our side. <laughs> ah, no, absolutely. I I I love the conversation, Harsha, and again, you know, good luck to to you and to all the listeners um and and yeah, no, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It it makes me kind of look back on on things that I have not done recently like hey did you do that i'm like you know sitting here and thinking what did i do you know when i was going through it so it's 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 also enlightening for me and and i'm i'm hoping it was useful to you and your your listeners 
Definitely so. And for all of you listening in, thank you so much for joining us for today's session of Change Reality. I hope that you can take these nuggets of wisdom in your own life and change your own reality as well so that you can achieve things that you are passionate about, you can hone in your skills, and you can be that support system for those around you and tap into those resources around you as well. So thank you guys so much for joining in. This has been Changing Reality. And if you like today's session, we'll see you again next week, Thursday at 10 p.m. ET and whatever time that is around the world for you. Thank you guys. And this is Harsha signing off. You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio.